Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. Amen. Praise God. Hey, welcome again to Renovate. We love that you are here. We love it. Um, You might be thinking you have to say that, right? It would be super awkward if we got up here and we were like, you're cool, you're cool, you stink, you're cool, you're boring, right? We we genuinely love that you guys are here. Um, And and one of the things I want you to hear... um, me say that that's going to tie into really who we are as a ministry, just kind of piggybacking off what Michael said, um, and specifically where we're going um, this, this evening with the sermon, is if you're in this room and you don't know that you believe what we believe, um, where we're going tonight, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, right? We're going to, we're going to read scripture, we're going to sit in that, we're going to talk about some, some pretty interesting, deep um, potentially confusing theological things about who we as a ministry believe our God is, how he interacts with us, how this whole thing works, and even the idea of the Holy Spirit. Man, so you might be here and you might say, man, I don't know that I believe what you believe. I'm not sure if I'm there. I'm checking things out. Or maybe you might like what we believe and you're here as it is one of many things that you are choosing to believe and that maybe you know what we believe can, you can kind of add to your shelf. I want you to know I love that you're here. You are in the right place um, I mean it. I love that you're here. This should be a place where you got questions, you raise your hand, right? I will call on you. It might get awkward in the room and it might slow down the sermon, but it's okay. It's worth it. Um, I, I, I want you to be able to wrestle with, man, I don't know, because we believe that there is one God. He doesn't belong on a shelf with other gods. He is not, um, it is one God. He doesn't coexist with other things. One creator, one designer, one triune Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons who interacts with us and is available to us today, every one of us, in ways that will change your eternity. And so thank you for being here. Keep asking questions. Keep wrestling with this. And I hope that tonight's a blessing as you kind of get to see behind the curtain. Now, if you're um, a believer or church kid, you did the whole thing and, and you come here month after month and, and on Sunday, week after week, then, then great. Um, I hope tonight still is challenging and we leave here different. We believe, and we talk about it a lot, that our belief should change our action, right? That belief changes action. What we believe changes action, and, and that's true. So what we're going to talk about is this pretty heavy belief of the Trinity, right? This idea that our God is one God and three persons, and then we're going to zoom in on the Holy Spirit, and then what we're going to do in, in 30 minutes is we're going to talk about, great, what now? If these things are true, if the Holy Spirit is what, what Scripture says he is, how do we do that? How do we get that? How do we activate that. What are we missing? How do we have more of that? And so that's where we're going. John 14 is where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in John 14 and John 16 a little bit. Um, And John 14 is where I want to start us. Um, And we'll throw the verses up on the screen too, if that's easiest. And so I'm going to put a passage up on the screen. Uh, It's John 14. And I I just want you to to see something, even just right off the bat, starting in verse eight. And we'll put the whole passage up here, but I I want you to see um, what's happening is this is the night before Jesus is arrested. So Jesus is about to get arrested later in this night that that John is writing here. Um, He's about to get arrested, crucified, die, raise again. Um, And so this is a huge, hugely significant night. 
So his conversations with his, uh, at this time, 11 closest brothers, human beings on the planet is this conversation. And we get a snapshot of it. He says, it says this, Philip, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. I want us just right there. What we see is the first person of the Trinity, the father. We see a disciple who's been walking with Jesus for three years, hanging out with Jesus. And, and it's, he kind of feels like this is a weighty night and Jesus has got kind of a, a mood going on. That, and, and so Philip's like, hey, man, will you show us the father? If you show us the father, we are good. I, am, I mean, like that would be it. Like I could die happy. That would be just such an awesome thing. And so he takes this bold step of faith. And so we see even in John 14, the, the first person of the Trinity, which um, if you were here in September um, at Renovate, what we did was we talked about who the father is, what God as father looks like, what the misconceptions we have are, how we distort God the Father based on maybe some of our own experiences or hurt or lack of experiences. And so that, that can easily get distorted. And so we looked at who is the Father in Scripture? Who does God say he is? What is his character? And then the very next verse, verse 9, this is Jesus' response to this, man, I, I want to see the Father. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So here we have God show us the Father. And then we have Jesus revealing, it is me. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. We are the same. He, he is in me and I am in him. And so we see the disciples on this night before he's arrested, their minds start to explode. We get this snapshot of, oh my goodness, Jesus is fully God. He is, yes, fully man. We believe walking the earth 2,000 years ago, but he is fully God, the father and the son. How does this work? What's happening? Uh, two week, uh, two, uh, one month ago in October, um, we talked about just that, just the idea of let's zoom in on who is Jesus Right, what does that part of the Trinity look like? And so Robert got up here and, and really walked us through um, what, that, what that looks like to who Christ is, the bridge that Christ is, and how he impacts us. And then look what happens here. Um, a little bit further down in, in John 14, I'm going to skip down to verse 25 through 27. Look what he's introducing here. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. Right? He hasn't been arrested. He hasn't died. He hasn't ascended to heaven yet. I'm still with you. And in chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So what's happening in John 14 is we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see this interaction with Jesus, who then is introducing this concept, right? It wouldn't, it, if they were paying attention, it wouldn't be totally new to them. But here we see this explicit idea of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is coming in, in my name, in Jesus' name, by the Father, right? This helper we see. It's this huge peace that all of a sudden we say, this is our God. 
Our our God is not just, uh, I just kind of want the Santa Claus God, or I just want the emotional, sensational, Holy Spirit aspect of the God, or or, yeah, I really like Jesus and what he did for me on the cross, so I'm going to take the transactional view of of my Christianity, and it's more of just like, yeah, thanks for doing that, Jesus, and I have no interaction with the Holy Spirit, I have no reverence towards the Father, and and so I want to make one more observation in John um, before we really get into unpacking, so who is he, the Holy Spirit, and what does he do? And that's this. Two, two chapters later, but still the same night, right? The, the very same evening um, in, in the story of Jesus is this. Verse five of chapter 16. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So the disciples are starting to catch, Jesus isn't gonna be with us forever. This isn't going to last long. Something is about to happen. Jesus isn't going to be with us. This is incredibly sobering. These guys have left everything, right? They left their families. They left their jobs. They left their career for three years. They've been made fun of for following Jesus. And now they're starting to catch on. Wait, you're not going to be around leading us. We gave up everything and you're not going to be here. And then Jesus in verse six or verse seven rather says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Jesus Christ says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Here's what the Bible just said. The Bible just told us, if we choose to believe it, that the Holy Spirit is better for us is more advantageous to us if we are Christians and desire to be Christians. The Holy Spirit is better for me than Jesus Christ in the flesh. That's insane. Let me get a volunteer. Somebody in the crowd, especially a guy. I need a guy. Um, Who is that? Yes, Rob, come here. He honestly, I think, was scratching his head. Did you just take off your hat to just scratch your head? It looked like you raised your hand, and now here we are. I'm going to call it the sovereignty of God. Okay, good. Luckily, you're one of my favorite people in the room, so this works. Okay, I just, I need to illustrate this. So this is Robert Newberry, guys. This is a big deal. I love him. Okay. Robert, here in person, we're going to pretend Robert is Jesus, buff Jesus. We're going to pretend that Robert is Jesus, right? What the, yeah, good, yeah, Uh, for so many reasons. But what scripture is saying is that in person, right, your ability, right? You, you see, you have the ability, the age old question, if you had, could pick dinner with one person, who would you pick? The right Christian answer is Jesus, Jesus right? That's the right answer that you're supposed to say. And, and Jesus is saying wrong, the Holy Spirit. So if you're Jesus here, this interaction, right? Shake my hand. Just, I want, this has to be, the Holy Spirit is better than, thank you. Thank you. The Holy Spirit, I don't, know why, I don't know why that worked, but it did in my, I needed that in my soul. I, I need us, I want us to understand that. Jesus says in the flesh, he in the flesh, it is better for him to not be there tangibly because we get the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? Do you believe scripture or do you read that and say, that's a cute thing Jesus said maybe to make his buddies feel better. Do we believe that? I believe that. Guys, I believe that is true. 
Do I live that out in my life? No. Do I take advantage of that? Do I live my life in such a way where my walk with the Holy Spirit, my submission to him and his presence of what I believe being in Christ, which we'll talk about here at the end of this sermon, that the Holy Spirit, who I believe lives in me, which we'll get there, is the most important, not just because it gives me fire insurance to get out of hell one day, but right now is a bigger deal than if I had Jesus riding in the car with me talking to me about the life decisions that I need to make, uh, uh, listening to my problems that, I, that I'm having, right? Praying for me, encouraging me, teaching me. The Holy Spirit is better. Do I utilize it? I don't think I do. I don't think we do. I, I don't think we do. Um, and I think there is huge revival and life change and joy and peace and an unbelievable redemption of people and cities and globes when God's people get this and utilize this and walk in this. So here's what we're going to answer. Who is he and what does he do? Right? I've got to understand then, if I want to utilize him more, who is he and what does he do and how does this work? And, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you 20 minutes on that. It is going to be far from exhaustive, right? There's entire seminary classes um, and, and books and books and library and shelves of books um, that all talk about the idea of the Holy Spirit and, and a deep dive. And so tonight in no way is meant to be exhaustive. I'm just going to look at one passage and say, let's just look at some beautiful things that he does. And then let's walk out of here and say, God, I want that. And let me leave changed um, John 14, 25 through 27, which, which I already read to you, right? Which was this introduction of, of um, the Holy Spirit and Jesus' night before he was arrested. You remember what he said? If you remember what he said, he said, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. And then in verse 26, he said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. And so when we ask the question, even just for tonight, who is he? From John 14, Jesus calls him the helper. That's who you get if you're in Christ. That word, the helper, what the word Jesus used was the word paraclete or paracleto, right? Which was literally the idea of to send aid to someone, right? It was this idea of this is someone who will send aid, who will be an an intercessor, right? Who is an advocate for you, right? The the fact that who he is as the helper, this, this paraclete idea of the Holy Spirit is that he is this connection, between you who were created, you were designed very intentionally and you have a very intentional and very amazing and very loving and very thoughtful designer. And you have available to you a Holy Spirit that connects you as a created to the creator, to your designer. That is who the Holy Spirit is described as in chapter 14 of John, connecting us to our creator, our helper, this one who aids. And then what does he do, right? What does he do? If I'm gonna understand how to utilize this this Holy Spirit more, what does he do? And and right there in that passage in verse 26, he says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then remember in verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let you not be afraid. So 
quickly, I'm, I'm gonna just show us straight from God's word three things of what he does. First is to teach. Who the Holy Spirit is, is the helper here we see in, in 14. But what does he do? What does that helper do? Well, one thing right off the bat is he teaches us. The Holy Spirit teaches us how should we live? The questions in my life, God, how does this, how do I work? How do, how do I function? How do I get free from, from my debilitating anxiety? How do I navigate life? How do I make hard decisions? How do I choose? How do I live? How, how am I supposed to function in the way that you're my designer, God? Help me. Show me. The Holy Spirit's role is to teach, to show you. We have been given God's word. And here's something beautiful about how the Holy Spirit interacts. We've been given God's word. And this Bible, I don't mean to offend anyone. I I love you. I'm going to be honest with you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, this is a great book and you should be in it. But this is a book. Right? This is a book. And if, and if you are, are not there yet and you're not ready yet and where we're going to go and, and talking about this idea of surrendering to Christ that hasn't happened in your life, again, I'd love that you're here. You're here for right, the right reasons and you're in the right place. I'm excited to see how God completely flips your life upside down. It's going to be awesome. But this is a book. If you are in Christ and you are walking in the Spirit, you are utilizing the Spirit, you, the, the Helper, the Holy Spirit is teaching you this thing becomes living and active. This isn't something I study to figure out the answer to a test. This isn't something I, I, I read to make me feel better after I've had a long and discouraging day. I'm gonna read some positive poetry and psalms, right? This is a living and active word that the Holy Spirit, and only through the power of the Holy Spirit, can reveal, can use, can teach me. It's one of the key ways that he uses to, to teach. But, but that is one of the things that we see right off the bat. The, the what is to teach. Another one that we saw right there is, what does it say? To teach you all things and to bring to your remembrance all things I've said to you. And I love this um, aspect of what the Holy Spirit does. And I see it play out in my life all the time. Um, don't tell other people, let's just keep this between us because I got a reputation of having it all together. But between us, I don't. Um, and, and one of my biggest problems, I think, I think my number one root issue as a man trying to fumble my way through life at times is my forgetfulness. And I don't mean that in the sense of like positive, I think there's positive forgetfulness, you know, like, oh man, I, I got discouraged, I got knocked down, I'm just gonna forget it and I'm gonna keep moving and I'm not gonna you know, live in regret. All, no, 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 no. I mean, I forget who I am. I forget how I'm supposed to live. I forget what I've been taught. I forget, I mean, we sing this song that we're royalty. Remember when we're singing that? And I'm singing that and the Holy Spirit is saying, remember, that's who you are. You are my son, you are royalty. But I forget that and I'm like, nah. I'm just been. I do whatever. I don't, I don't really care. I'm not, there's nothing, there's nothing majestic about me. There's nothing special about my life. I'm just who I am. And so all of those lies in our life, those things that derail us, those things that get us stuck in shame, those things that get us stuck in confusion, that so many of them, if you are in Christ, come from this idea that we forget so quickly. I forget who I am. I forget how I'm called to walk. I forget how, I'm, how I forget how I'm supposed to see other people. And my default setting of how I see people is just selfish. Their, their value is really based more on 
how they can be a blessing to me. And, and, it's, all, and it's all backwards, and I am so quick to forget. One of my um, favorite illustrations of this, and this is kind of a silly illustration, but go with me here because um, it works for me, which might not work for you, but I don't, I don't care. Um, <clears throat> Rocky Five. Tell me you've seen Rocky Five. Somebody, somebody raise your hand and you watch. Thank you. Rob Jaworski, that's my guy. Okay, <clears throat> Rocky Five. The Rocky movies are great. You should spend some time, after your next quiet time, spend some time in the Rocky movies. There's five of them, and then they kept making them, and there's like 90 now, and there's a whole other guy. Um, Rocky Five was the last one back when they did the first five. And, and what happens is Rocky raises up his, like, disciple, his pupil, right? Tommy Gunn, this huge jacked dude. Like, Robert Newberry is nothing compared to Tommy Gunn, Right? Um, and so he, they, he raised it and he's discipling this guy and he's loving this guy. He's like a son to him. And, and Tommy Gunn goes off the rails and goes signs with this horrible agent and just, I mean, just betrays Rocky and is really sad and steals. I mean, he just, it's horrible, right? So the end of the movie, um, everyone's like, dude, you disrespected Rocky. And, and everyone's like starting to hate on Tommy Gunn. And Tommy Gunn's prideful and he's like, dude, what in the world? Why do I not get any respect? And so he goes and he picks a fight, guys, with Rocky in the streets of Philadelphia, you do not mess with Rocky in the streets. So he goes and he picks a fight and it's a street fight and everyone's like, don't fight. No, that's, you know, Rocky's a street fighter. But he gets a cheap shot and he knocks Rocky down and Rocky wasn't paying attention. He gets him in the ribs and he gets him in the back of the head and Rocky's down and Tommy Gunn is just pounding him, right? And Rocky is out. Here's why I, I weirdly, I think about this. I think about Rocky Five all the time. Um, dude, I... Stay with me on this transition. I get beat down. Man, I get beat down at times. There are seasons in my life. I know you guys. I know some of you. I know your stories. I know where you're at. I know how just stinking lonely and discouraging and empty things can be. How cyclical, how, how just shame feels like just this blanket that you can't get out from under, right? We get beat down. And so I think about all the time, this picture of Rocky, he's beat down, he's on the streets, cheap shot, getting wailed on, and then it's these flashbacks, right? It's remembrance. What happens is all of a sudden in Rocky Five, remembrance starts happening. And he starts having flashbacks to Rocky Four when he's fighting Drago and he gets knocked down and the Russian's standing over him in Rocky Four and, he's, and he gets up and he beats him and he's, and he's having flashbacks. He has flashbacks of Mickey, and Mickey was this old Irish guy who was his trainer who died in like Rocky one. And, and he has these flashbacks and Mickey in his flashbacks is like, get up, you bum, get up, get up, you bum. And then he says, I promise I'm not emotional because of Rocky. I promise I'm emotional because it reminds me of the Holy Spirit. I promise. Mickey says, get up, you bum, because I love you. And he says that. And then guys, you know what happens? Dun da da dun da dun da dun the music starts playing. Dun da dun da dun da dun 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 and he gets up and he just goes ham on Tommy Gunn. Just wails him and knocks him around and slaps around, beats his agent up, and he's probably gonna get sued and go to jail. That's Rocky Six, charges are pressed. But the point is, the point is it's this beautiful, silly illustration, I know, but sweet Jesus, I need remembrance. And I can't remember. We, we show up and we sing. God, this is who you are. This is how you love me. This is how you think of me. And then we leave here and three days later, we're just stuck. 
The Holy Spirit, part of his role is to say, remember, remember how you're loved. Remember, I need that. I need to be taught how to love. And I definitely need to be reminded who I am and how to live and how to see people and how to love others and where that comes from. And the last thing is this, at least in this passage here, in these few verses we read, if you remember, he says in verse 27, the Holy Spirit's coming and peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to comfort, right? This peace that surpasses understanding, this peace that the world doesn't doesn't offer, can't offer, doesn't know how to offer, doesn't have the ability to offer. Um, We have that to to a world that desperately needs peace. The Holy Spirit says, yes. And, and I love the fact that this inward spirit, that if you are in Christ, you have, if we're utilizing, if we're walking in that, that's the kind of, I need miracle peace, right? I don't need outward peace. I don't need so often what we need is not just circumstantial pats on the back or, or, or kind of an external peace to make me feel good or some affirmation. No, no, no. So often our anxiety is way deeper. I mean, this is an inward anxiety and I need an inward miraculous solution. And that solution is called the helper, the Holy Spirit who is sent, who is better, who is more advantageous than Christ in the flesh in your life to comfort. So what now, right? What now? That's In a a nutshell, in in just one passage of John 14, we see this glimpse of who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does. I'm massively convicted that I don't think I utilize this Holy Spirit near enough in my life. I think I I want want more of that. I I want to activate that. I want to figure out how to to walk in that more. And and I think there's a lot of those things that are, are faulty premises, that the Holy Spirit isn't just this dial I turn up and down. It's not this formula I add more of. It's a person of the the triune God, not just, a, not just a dial, not just a supplement that I need to take more milligrams of. It is a person. So God, how do I do that? Galatians 5, 16 and 17. I'm not even gonna put it on the screen, um, but Galatians 5, at the end of Galatians 5, Paul talks about exactly what that looks like. And by the way, bonus, if you're a college student, um, this Sunday Um, Nathan is preaching on this, the end of Galatians 5, and we'll do a much better deep dive into specifically this idea of walking in the Spirit. So come to the college building if you want to kind of dig deeper into Galatians 5, 16, 17. But but let me at least least put put this over you here with it. Here's what what Paul says. I'm just going to read this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Listen to this, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. What we see all throughout scripture, how I get more of the Holy Spirit, how I, what that looks like, how I walk in that, all those kind of faulty premises. I want this, I want to utilize it. I want to be obedient to it. I've got to realize I've got flesh In Galatians 5, it says you have to crucify that flesh, right? Crucify, execute, right? Hang on a cross and execute that flesh, your sin. So I want to give you two things, then we're going to go back into worship. One, you ask the question, if you are asking the question how, Holy Spirit sounds great, how? Maybe I got him, but man, I I I I want to be more in line with it. How? 
First, surrender your life to Christ. We've, the gospel of Jesus, what we believe and stand on and build everything in our lives and even specifically ministry and church around is the idea that we, um, Michael, I thought said it so beautifully even at the beginning of the service, that we're broken people, right? Sin, right, this idea of flesh and sin, sin has tainted, right? Sin has broken, sin has broken our connection to our creator. We're, we're created and we're not connected because of sin, broken out of line, and yet the gospel says, I know that, and you will never be able to restore that connection. You're not good enough. You're not gonna be holy enough. You're not gonna go to enough church services or midweek young adult worship experiences that are going to be able to patch this eternal bridge and connection that I've designed you to have, and so my grace will be sufficient for you. And so I will send my perfect son, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, who 2,000 years ago, we believe, hung on a cross to bridge the gap, to pay for the condemnation that I deserve, that has separated me from a holy and perfect God, so that those who are in Christ put their faith in Christ, believe we get him. We get him. I didn't earn it. That's not how my my connection, my salvation eternally is not something that I have the power to maintain even, but I have to surrender. And I use that word very intentionally, the, the idea of surrender, right? This is not just a, a head nod, I believe, right? I, this is not just I believe, this is a God, yes, my life is not my own. Take it, But right? This is a heavy cost, Right? We are saved by grace, but that grace is not cheap. Right? You say, I don't have to do anything to earn salvation? Yeah, wait, wait, it's a free gift? Yeah, what does it cost me? Well, it costs you everything because you are called to surrender your life and say, I can't. Jesus is not just something to add on, to say, you know what, I want that. Right? Jesus is not something to say, yeah, I believe. And so to make sure I go to heaven, I've definitely, Jesus is, is my vote. He gets my vote for savior. There I believe, we believe in heaven, we believe in hell. Jesus is not just the card that you check to say, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus and good, I'm confident now I won't go, in heaven, won't go to hell. There are going to be, there are going to be a lot of people in hell who said, it's me, I, I believe, right? Like Jesus, it's me, we, we, I, we, I did stuff. I showed up to things. I, I worked hard. I, I, I was pretty varsity. I, I believe, right, Jesus? And he will say to them in Matthew 7, it says this, I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know what you did in your life and you spoke and you went to camp and you did great things and, and you definitely said that you believe in me, but there is no eternal Holy Spirit that is in you connected to me. I am not tethered to you. There's no Holy Spirit that connects us that can no longer be eternally separated because this Holy Spirit lives in us and connects us as we surrender and we say, my life is not my own. I'm crucified with you, dead, buried God, and now let my life be your life. That's the call of faith. That's the call of the gospel. You are my Lord. You are my King. You are my salvation. Not, yeah, I'll take some Jesus. And so first and foremost, if we want more Holy Spirit and we're like, you know where I get more Holy Spirit? When I go to like churches that have more smoke machines or I sit under preaching that doesn't tell Rocky stories, right? They tell like awesome, cooler stories. I don't know what those are, obviously, or else I would use them, 
right? Like if I sit into more passionate preaching or if I was, if I was in room or if I listened to better music in my car, or if, I, if I stimulated my emotions where that's what I need for the Holy Spirit. And that's not biblical. That's not in scripture. That's not, the Holy Spirit is not the emotional dial, right? It is the tether. It is the helper. It is, it is the third person of the Trinity and, and it is accessed and only in us if we have surrendered in faith to Jesus and Jesus alone. And then the second thing is for those of you who have done that, if you haven't done that, praise God you're here. Don't leave without doing that would be my encouragement to you. And if you're like, I don't know what it looks like. That sounds scary or hard. It is. It is. It's massively worth it. Talk to us. Let's pray with you. Let's walk through this thing together. Maybe you're here and you're like, I've done that. I'm, I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ, but I, I want more. I want more. I want more. God. What's it say in Galatians 5? We crucify our flesh. So I want to encourage you and challenge you. Crucify your flesh. Kill your sin every day. Right? Every day, kill your sin. You wake up. You wake up and you're reminded by the Holy Spirit who you are. I'm a daughter of the king. I'm a son of the king. I'm fully loved. I'm accepted. I'm adopted by the God of the universe. And I know what I did last night, but his grace is sufficient for me today. And I'm reminded of that. And I I get in his word and I say, God, show me how to live. Show me how to navigate hard relationships. Show me how to deal with stress. Show me how to, God, I am yours I'm reminded of that. I walk in the spirit and then I say, God, reveal the things that do not coexist with your spirit, right? We saw that Galatians 5, they don't coexist. The flesh and the spirit, they don't live together well. It's one or the other. And so you say, God, I want to submit to your spirit. And so what happens is the spirit of God says, hey, Ben, this is selfish. Hey, Ben, this is not what I have for you. Hey, Man, I have something. You need to walk away. You need to repent from this. You need to turn from this. You need to confess this. You need to let other men in your life know. You need to talk to your wife, Danielle, and say, God, babe, will you hold me accountable on this? Because this is sin and this is ugly. And although I am saved and nothing can take that away and nothing breaks that tether, we believe, I am going to live my life in first gear. And I'm going to get to the end of it and say, what I, th- I was given something more advantageous than Jesus himself. And I coasted. I coasted. So I identify my sin and I kill it. I confess it. I run from it. I do whatever it takes. Not because I got to earn God's salvation and, and love, but because I remember, oh yeah, he does love me. He fully loves me. That gives me the strength to take the blanket of shame off, get up, Kill it, confess it, and chase after a God who says, you are mine. Walk with me. I've given you my spirit. Walk with me. Father, we love you. Thank you for sending your son so that we might be known by you, the God of the universe. Would you do in us, in our hearts, not not in this room, not in some sort of emotional context, would you do in my heart, in our individual hearts, what only you can do, and that is a miracle. God, the Holy Spirit who brings dead things to life, the power of the resurrection lives in us if we are in Christ. God, would I submit to that? We're either gonna submit to your spirit or we're gonna be slaves to sin. Tonight, would we choose your spirit? 
We'd be quick to confess sin. We'd be quick to trade sin, which might feel like it's going to be a comfort, might feel like it's going to be fun, might feel like it's going to have benefits, but how we, we know where it leads us every time, ultimately how empty it leaves us. So God, help us to kill that sin. Help us to bring it into the light. Would you reveal to us? Would you convict us? Would you do a work in our lives tonight that change our eternity for some in this room? Would we leave changed? Not because of good songs, not because of a sermon, because of your spirit. For your glory and your son Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. We hope today's message was impactful and God used it to be part of the transforming work he wants to do in your life. Look, our desire is that this isn't just a resource you would listen to, but that this is really a community you would belong to. If you have any further questions, you just want to talk or need prayer, reach out to us. Our contact info is on the website, renovateftw.org, or connect with us on our social media, at RenovateFTW, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.